So tomorrow, gentle viewer, I'm going to be drunk. Because it's the only way that I'm going to get through that game. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me on Twitter, at Nonsense underscore Steve. My co-host, Mr. Neil Smith, at Nonsense underscore Neil. Either one of us on the Fantasy Life app, at Important Nonsense, all one word. Neil, it was probably the biggest MMA weekend of the season this week. It was, you know, UFC 217. Of course, you know all about this from our other podcast, the Below the Belt podcast. Right. Our UFC podcast, of course, one of our offshoots. And it was probably the biggest MMA weekend of the of the year, not only because of the incredible night it was on Saturday night, but of course the NFL just got wind of it. And there was fights everywhere on Sunday. It was it was amazing. No, it was a, definitely a smackdown out there. But you know, at least these fights weren't uh, weren't fake. But they might as well have been, given the level of padding that people like to wear, uh, you know, for this game. So, but yeah, Fight Club everywhere. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mike Evans, yeah, who was honestly, like Mike Evans, <laughs> Mike Evans. He, he was like the least egregious of anyone. And he's the guy suspended for this weekend. And then Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Green, the war of words continuing today with Ramsey when he was asked about it from reporters saying that he, quote, told Green he was soft and weak, which is true. I was out there spitting facts. So just Jalen Ramsey <laughs> just... Just destroying people. True My favorite Bob. part of that was he kind of just like shoved him from behind and then started to walk away. And then here comes AJ Green with the rear naked choke, just trying to like put his lights out in the middle of the field. They break him up and then Jalen Ramsey stands up and he's got his arms in the air like, what? What did I do? What happened? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, well, I'd like to see the actual stand-up fight between those two guys because I have a yes. feeling. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm taking AJ Green. I'll tell oh, you yeah. that. I'll tell you that right now. AJ Green was gonna want it. He's gonna want it more. <laughs> and uh, given what I've seen, that rear naked choke was pretty good. So I, I think yes. uh, I think he might actually be able to either just knock Jalen Ramsey's lights out or actually possibly get him to tap out. That would be entertaining. <laughs> it would be better. It would be better than a lot of the NFL games we've seen this year, and it would mm-hmm. also be better than a lot of the UFC fights we've seen this year. So it's true. get uh, get me Dana. Get me Dana. Get him on the phone. Let's do this. Let's go. Yeah, unfortunately for us this weekend, they were still fighting in their NFL gear. And uh, favorite line of the weekend was, of course, Scott Hansen, helmets still undefeated. The football preview. Halfback, passes to center, back to wing, back to center, center holds it, holds it, holds it! No, not that football. Aw, the Denver Broncos! Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Read all about it! And stats. You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Hey! All right, Week 10 NFL news. First of all, tonight we found out that uh, Packers decided to cut Martellus Bennett. If you were relying on Martellus Bennett as a fantasy option... Great decision. Or, I mean, as an actual tight end, then... Yeah, you you have not been watching this year. 
boy, he has just been brutal. We we abandoned that ship, I would say, about two weeks in to training camp. I'm oh, you sure made it to training camp? About... I was doing it two weeks before training camp. I was like, they signed Martellus Bennett to play four games, and then he's going to get hurt and mope yeah. around, because that's every Martellus Bennett season, people. Well, look, what happens is, yeah, he plays four great games and is a top ten tight end, and then the rest of the year is just trash. This yep. year, he didn't even give you that. Nope. This year, he was just front-to-back horrible. So, yeah, Martellus Bennett, who announced, remember, a couple of weeks ago... Yeah, he retired. These were going to be his last eight games. Well, didn't quite make it through the eight, Martellus. I'm just looking forward to the court case where the Packers try and come and get their $8 million back. That's going to be great <laughs> television, people. And, hey, if, you, if if they need any further proof that they need it, just show them any of the game film, and they'll they'll be fine. The judge will be like, oh, yeah, you got to give that money and back. And his fantasy stat line, too, will be admissed. That's Exhibit A. Meanwhile, Teddy Bridgewater reactivated Sam Bradford heading to the IR finally after struggling. He had his knees scoped, cleaned out. It didn't help. The pain, the swelling was still there. So unfortunate that his career has just been plagued by these injuries. But now Teddy Bridgewater... Coming back after a year and a half, he was uh, starting to become a fantasy-relevant quarterback, a real interesting sleeper that preseason. But then, of course, last year, injured in the preseason, missed all of last season, all of training camp this year. He's obvi- He's been practicing. He's obviously going to have to you know, reacclimate to the NFL, kind of get his feet wet. It becomes a real interesting situation because Case Keenum has played well for the Vikings. Yeah. surprising enough it's and when you are rolling like this and you're the vikings and you're actually leading the division do you really risk throwing bridgewater out there and changing things up at the qb position and that's the that's the dilemma they have to face right now yeah i don't think they're going to do that though i think they're going to take bridgewater back nice and slow because let's remember this was one of the most brutal injuries if you saw the video you'll remember watching the video of teddy bridgewater getting hurt it uh, it was the non-contact, just leg just exploded. So yeah. they're going to take him nice and slow, I think, and I think they love him, and they don't want to put him back out there before they feel yeah. confident that he's ready to go, <laughs> and they've stuck with him this long. And now Bradford's gone, so you really do need another guy because this Keenum thing is, as we've been saying, you look at the rest of Case Keenum's career, and then you look at this, and it's just complete mirror opposites of each other. It's like, who is this guy that has inhabited Case Keenum's body and looks competent? Do you think this is a case, then, if they ride Case Keenum until he kind of tanks out or gets hurt? That's what I think is going to happen. Bridgewater back there as, like, yeah, an I insurance think, policy. I think that's what you do. I think you just roll the Keenum train until it eventually bucks you, and either he gets hurt or uh, starts to revert back to type, and... There you go. You got Bridgewater sitting there. There's no need to toss him out there right away. Mm, and right. honestly, it's, this almost reminds me of the Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick thing from 2012, where uh-huh. you were winning and you had a guy that you felt pretty good about, but has like a limited ceiling. So there's maybe that argument to be made for like, hey, we need Bridgewater's explosiveness back there. But at the same time, Keith Keenum is doing everything that you ask him to do. So until he starts yeah, turning the ball over twice a game or more. I feel like he's going to be your quarterback. Because Keenum was playing really well earlier, and then as soon as Bradford even seemed like he was ready to go, they brought him back in that Monday night game against the Bears. So it seems like they don't want him to be the guy. And even when he has had to come in off the bench, he's kind of thrived in that role. Whereas, I don't know, it's like a double-edged sword because, yeah, Bridgewater is a great insurance policy, 
But if you ride Keenum all the way and then all of a sudden he gets hurt at the end of the year and you go into the playoffs with a guy that hasn't played in the NFL in two seasons, how, how does that, how does that bode for you? I think it kind of makes more sense to get Bridgewater's feet wet, let him kind of work out the kinks now. And then if you have to go back to Keenum, you can go back to Keenum. I think they won't do that for a while. Now, I think you're going to see Bridgewater start in some games, but I think those mm-hmm. games are 15, 16. 17 when they have probably yeah already clinched the division Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you clinch that division and you know you're going to the playoffs and at that point hey uh case keenum you're gonna go ahead and uh sit down for two three games here we're gonna let teddy bridgewater take over to get him some actual playing time in case we need him you know down the stretch here so i mean that'll be interesting it'll be interesting to monitor not only for that for the intrigue in the nfl and that part of it but also the value of Thielen and Diggs and Rudolph and the running game and these guys that have been, you know, thriving with uh, with Keenum under center. And Bridgewater in and of himself. I mean, he's yeah. he to me right now he's a roster in dynasty leagues and keeper leagues potentially. But if Correct. he's if he's going to be, you know, if they're saying he's starting, then obviously we get into regular style fantasy and you know year year on year and daily even. So then then it changes it even more than that. So it'll be. Yeah, I mean, it depends clearly on, on the matchups, too. Like, Minnesota has the third hardest schedule the rest of the way for quarterbacks, so. Right, but at least you get the rushing, you would think, with Bridgewater. You get something. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's all dependent on, on matchup at that point. So it depends on what else you have and everything, but for sure I'm with you with the uh, the dynasty and the keeper aspect of it. Meanwhile. All right, hashtag bye week issues. Guys, you should be streaming this week. If you are desperate, you're looking for somebody to fill in for an injury or a streaming option. This week on the waiver wire column, I did all people you can stream this week. And then uh, looking forward to playoff schedules. And guys, you should be picking up long-term for your playoffs. Be sure to check that out on importantnonsense.com. QB this week, Joshy Football, baby. The ageless wonder, Josh McCown, going up against Tampa Bay and that pathetic team they have down there. Look, I mean, McCown has been competent. He has looked really good, and Tampa Bay has just been horrendous. So I think this is kind of a no-brainer if you can stream McCown this week if you're desperate. And if you're even more desperate than that, or somebody beat you to Josh McCown, go back to the well, get yourself Andy Dalton against Tennessee. It's not sexy, but Tennessee's defense is incredibly gettable, and I like A.J. Green to come out and take out his frustration against their uh, lackluster secondary. So... It'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be ugly, but at the end of the day, I think you'll get something you can use. Uh, running back, I've got Orleans Darkwa against San Francisco. Now, hold, wait, wait, hold, stop throwing things. Just listen. Hold on a second. I'm going right. to keep he's, throwing things. He's dominated the snap counts since Perkins' injury, even when Perkins was fully healthy last week. And in that time, he has put up 14, a 16, an 8, and a 10 in fantasy points in those games. San Francisco, the worst team in the league against running backs this year. So if you are desperate for an RB, Orleans Darqua is a uh, a dark horse for you to pick up and stream this week. Oh boy. And this is where you're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel here, people. <laughs> if you're super desperate, and I mean super desperate, Devonta Booker against New England. Speaking and of I throwing will, things. I will also ask you to stop throwing things. <laughs> it's There's a reason... And it's because New England gives up the most rushing yards typically when they play Denver. Denver seems to have worked out how to run the ball against them. 
So it really just comes down to whether or not that O-line can do anything at all. I don't think it can, which is why I think we're going to see a lot of Devonta Booker because this game is going to get – they're going to be getting torched, and I think Devonta Booker is going to be out there catching passes. Wide receiver Robbie Anderson against Tampa Bay. Again, it's the stack. It's it's one of my favorite daily plays this weekend, actually, is Josh McCown, Robbie Anderson stack because against that Tampa secondary, I mean, look for that all day. It's also so it, inexpensive. It's an exactly. inexpensive daily stack to get a great matchup. Uh, if you can't land that, Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett were right around 47% each. And, uh, you know, whichever one's available, pick your poison, basically. Richardson, I believe, was questionable for this game with a leg injury. It appears he's going to play, though, so keep an eye on that. But other than that, I mean, I'm just using our standard cliche of anyone against Arizona who doesn't draw Patrick Peterson. Yeah, there's very little else. Uh, maybe Jamison Crowder if you were very desperate. However, the injury kind of throws some cold water on that. And then at tight end, it is the ghost of Garrett Selleck back from the dead. Of course, George Kittle uh, surprisingly came out with an injury. He He came out of that game early. And then I don't know if you were paying attention to it because it's San Francisco or, or, but he came out, he was out for a few drives and actually came back into the game, which is why everyone thought he was fine. But he was actually announced that he was going to be out multiple weeks, possibly done for the year yesterday. So because of that, Garrett Selleck becomes the new starter at tight end. And look, as little as I believe in the talent of Garrett Selleck, that he was, you know, the backup tight end on San Francisco for crying out loud. He steps into the number two role there because with Garcon out and now Kittle, there's no one else to throw the ball to, and the Giants are the worst team in the league against the tight end. So if I'm absolutely desperate to stream somebody, I will take Garrett Selleck. And there is virtually no one else, people. <laughs> exactly. It's That's that what bad. I'm saying. It, it is, is that a pathetic. wasteland. If you really wanted to, you could take a flyer on Austin Hooper or Julius Thomas or any of the hodgepodge of death, but honestly... Mm-hmm. You could flip a coin. That's why we don't bother listing them out. Get more out of your fantasy season with PFF's exclusive player grades and performance data. PFF grades every player from every game on every team. Dive deep into your fandom and follow your team on Pro Football Focus for exclusive team stats and NFL team rankings. Listeners to our podcast can get $10 off a PFF Edge or Elite subscription by simply going to importantnonsense.com PFF. Once again, that's importantnonsense.com PFF to save $10 on your subscription today. All right, so Pigskin Pick'em this week in the standings, Matt Fifth with 57 kevin failing to set a lineup again way to go it is crushing i talked to him about that he has now set his next three weeks in advance (laughs) so he won't do that that means he's gonna come in first for a few weeks here probably yeah so he's at 66 now brian in third at 74 i'm in second still at 77 and you are up to 83 in first place starting of course with everybody's favorite thursday night football Seattle taking on Arizona. Typically, it's the running backs and defenses that shine on Thursday night. Because of that, the Seahawks D, I think, Peterson struggles. Uh, with Eddie Lacy out, it, it clears a path for Thomas Rawls. As crazy as that seems, with how bad Eddie Lacy has been, it finally gives Rawls a clean shot with pretty much no one breathing down his neck 
to have all the reps against Arizona's defense. He's got a shot. He could be a sneaky good play this week if you're desperate again at running back. But, yeah, give me the Hawks in a low-scoring, terrible game tomorrow night. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So, yeah, Seattle did. <laughs> they definitely came out and they laid an egg against Washington. Yeah. And they are overrated. But you know what fixes that? A tasty matchup against that Arizona secondary on Thursday night. Oh, boy. So somebody's going to get the Patrick Peterson treatment. They think it's Doug Baldwin, but Patrick Peterson tends to shadow, but he's also not the best slot corner. He's better on the outside, so he's good either way, but I digress. <clears throat> There's going to be opportunities for Wilson, though, all over that field, and I actually think this game is going to be higher scoring than I think you think it is, given the trend of this year's Thursday night games, where for whatever reason, this year is reverted, is gone completely outlier, and we're getting a lot of high-scoring games on Thursday night. And I like Seattle in this one. All right, New Orleans going to Buffalo in the first of our one Eastern games. The thing you always worry about in cases like this is overvaluing division matchups. Saints winning one last week and Buffalo losing one. They lost a game they should have won. I'll give you that. But it was a division contest against the Jets, who, like I said, have been red hot. And it was on Thursday Night Football, which you can't predict. So on top of all that, I also don't expect McCoy to be a non-factor against the Saints' defense, which, by the way, is giving up the 13th most fantasy points to running backs this year, like he was last week. So give me the Bills in what is considered an upset at home. Yeah, I mean, they came out flat last week, and uh, you know I'm not going to hold that against them. I still like the Bills on my kind of adjusted <laughs> team ratings, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I don't really like their chances here against what looks like kind of a resurgent Saints team. So... I'm going to take the Saints on the road, but this game is going to be a lot closer than how the public sees it. Because the public has this as the Saints blowing out the Bills at home, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Saints win, but I think this one's going to be a tooth and nail like scratch fest. Because the Saints D is not going to be able to stop LaShawn McCoy, and the Bills D is going to struggle all day against the revamped kind of Saints just offense. This one. Jeez. We have a lot of contenders for Tickle Fight of the Week this week, and this was is certainly in there. The Bears have been bad on offense all year. That's not breaking news to anyone. Their defense has actually carried them, though. And as I mentioned in the waiver wire column, they have one of the easier defensive schedules for the rest of the season. With that and how well the defense have played, they're actually a solid streamer going forward if you're looking for a defense still heading into a playoff run. So, fun fact as well, the Packers have an impressive streak of 14 consecutive defensive drives without forcing a punt. <laughs> so it's true. They, they it's just true. cannot find a way off the field. So, against all odds, I can't believe it, but give me the Bears. Go Bears! To get to four wins and tie the Packers in the standings. Who would have thought that? And this is the least comfortable feeling I have about this pick, too, by the way, is the fact that the public is so on the Bears, which cannot be a good thing. I'm taking the Bears at home against the Packers. Go Bears! Okay. Sorry, I just threw up in my mouth a little. I I realized I can't say that sentence without that happening. But that's where we are in life. So... (laughs) The Bears D should be enough to stymie the Rogerless Packers. Give me the Go Bears. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! <laughs> That's even better. He That's did. even better. He did. 
Oh God, Cincinnati going to Tennessee. The Bears. This is just sadistic. <laughs> so bad. Uh, in the preseason, this was about the time I had the Titans turning the corner, figuring things out, and making their run towards a wild card spot. Well, we've seen flashes of that, but nothing overwhelming so far. I still like them to shut down Dalton and the Bengals' offense this week, though, so give me the Titans at home. I mean, yeah, the Titans are really struggling right now, but I do like their chances here. Because since he has only won road, one road game this entire season, and it was in Cleveland. Throw that out. And the Titans' D being really bad is scary. Uh, and since he will, should be able to move the ball. And again, I think this is a game where they're going to try and get A.J. Green out there trying to prove a point. But I think they ultimately still are going to come up short, and I got the Titans at home. Oh, God, this one. All right, Cleveland going to Detroit. It's the Lions moving on. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the Lions. Pittsburgh going to Indy. Uh, now, God, I mean, this one feels like a trap game to me. Look, it's the Steelers are coming off the bye. They seem to be healthy everywhere. They seem to have the offense clicking. The Martavis Bryant thing hasn't been in the headlines this week. Uh, but it's, it's the road Steelers. All the points just point to a clear Steelers victory, but it's the road Steelers who got crushed by the Bears. Uh, look, I'm going to take the Steelers here. But in no way, shape, or form would I be stunned if the Colts were to win this game. Yeah, I mean, even with the Steelers' road, road struggles, I've still got them here. Indy just cannot match up with them offensively or defensively, and their best player in their secondary got ruled out for the year. Yeah, just Lost like an Vontae hour. Davis for the season. Yeah, Vontae yeah. Davis for the season. It was like an hour before we recorded this. I'm still in mourning. So... <laughs> There's just I, they don't match up. The Steelers should no. pummel them, and because of that, I would again I, I'm with you. It wouldn't shock me if I watched Jacoby Brissett just running in touchdowns, right. unassisted, for no raisin, broken plays where he's just out there just looking like he's just doing spin moves and scoring at will. He's not even throwing the ball. He's just running them in, and yep. just Jacoby Brissett puts up a 40 in fantasy, and you're just sitting there like yeah yeah that's what happens with the Steelers on the road. But I gotta go with them. I have to. They're just so much better than the Colts. There's no way to justify even trying to t- get cute here, you know? Yep. All right. Minnesota going to Washington. Look, Kirk Cousins went into Seattle and got himself a defining win last week. That was impressive what they were able to do with their battered offensive line and beat-up defense. But against that Legion of Boom on the road in Seattle with the 12th man. But Minnesota's coming in healthy, coming off their bye, and unlike the Seahawks, they actually possess a run game and have a balanced attack on offense to threaten the Redskins' D, which who would have ever thought we'd say that? So, look, this game should be really close, and I believe it's possibly the best game of the afternoon slate. But because of the extra time to prep, give me the Vikings. Yeah, Case Keenum's going to start, as we were talking about earlier, and it's his job to lose, because they're going to let Bridgewater come back slowly. And I was going to ask you if you thought this was game of the week, because I've got this <laughs> game of the week. So yeah. there you go. Yep. It's definitely like a contender for game of the week. And But yeah, I'm also taking the Vikings off the bye, and the R's are going to be a real challenge. But give me the fighting Keenums to be able to score enough points to put this one away. <laughs> the preseason, if you told me I'd be picking the Keenum-led Vikings to knock off the Kirk Cousins Redskins, I'd have told you that you were crazy. <laughs> 
We all would have, because we all would have said Case Keenum still in the NFL. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the Jets going to Tampa Bay, another potential contender for Tickle Fight of the Week. But nope, still not, not yet, folks. Just hold your hats for that one, because no Evans because of the suspension, no Winston due to his injury, and that means no chance in my eyes for the Bucks. <laughs> That's easy math. So the Jets are somehow rolling right now. Give me 38-year-old Josh McCown to toss his career-high 14th touchdown pass in a Jets 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 win this week. Do you like bad football? <laughs> I got you, fam. Keep it here. Rip the knob off. Brian Fitzpatrick versus the team that told him to retire. And you know what? I'm going to take McCown and the Jets, who may, after they demoralize the Buccaneers, tell Fitzy to retire. <laughs> and he may listen this time. It's possible. <laughs> Uh, Chargers going to the Jags in Jacksonville. Look, it's two decent teams here, and every ounce of me wants to pick the Chargers. I really do. They were one of my preseason surprises, but so were the Jags. And that (laughs) defense is just so strong. I'm going to just go back to the same old cliche of West Coast team goes east for a 1 p.m. start. Give me the Jags at home. I've got the Jags at home. I think Fortnite manages to show up to this game. If he can be suspended trouble. suspended at the last minute this week. Yeah, I think he'll probably show up for this one. And, you know, with him running the ball and the Chargers' complete inability to stop anybody who can run the ball, coupled with the Jags' defense, I like the Chargers to just struggle all day and give me Jacksonville at home. And also, I'm looking forward to the inevitable verbal confrontation between Blake Bortles and the entire coaching staff at the end of every Jacksonville victory. It'll be great. That's it's about awesome. the only thing you can look forward to in a Jacksonville game. Yeah, because the rest of it is really boring. Speaking of nothing to look forward to, late afternoon Sunday, Houston going to L.A. to take on the Rams. To think what this game might have been is so depressing, Neil, but <laughs> it's not nearly as depressing as thinking about what this game will actually be. But I will take the Rams easily winning at home in what is your Super Bowl 53 preview. (laughs) (laughs) Getting out a year ahead of it. A year ahead of it. Right, right, right. What a football game this could have been. Two of the most exciting young quarterbacks in the league square off. And instead, this is going to be an absolute dumpster fire. Give me the Rams at home. Tom Tom Savage? No? Tom Savage? Nope. Not even a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Dallas goes to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Look, I just keep picking against the Cowboys, and they just keep winning. So now I'll take the Cowboys, and here comes the loss. Look, the defense has played better than anyone could have expected. And as I told you, at some point, if they keep winning these games they're not supposed to, I I guess I have to start taking them seriously. The Falcons, meanwhile, continue to be the flaming garbage pile they've been all season long. So I'm just hoping that this game breaks down into some kind of a shootout because it's literally our only shot at entertainment in the late afternoon. Monitor the Dez injury. Other than that, either way, I'm taking Dallas. Well, you're right. Here comes your loss because here's a fun fact for you. (laughs) The Falcons have won the last two matchups against the Cowboys and four of the last six by at least six points. Give me the dumpster fire Falcons to pull one out (laughs) at home with your flaming garbage pile. Sure. 
It, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm just hoping they win that game like 56 to 53 so I'm that we can, so we can have that. something Let's to watch. That. Let's do that idea. Because yeah, nobody wants go. to watch this one because we all knew it was coming, folks. <laughs> it's your tickle fight of the week. The Giants going to San Francisco to take on the Niners. I was clearly a week premature on my Niners pick. Because I thought I had that peg last week, but no, 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 I'm all wrong. This is the game right here. The Giants are hot trash, and that is saying it politely. They may have one more win than the Niners, but at least there's hope. At least there's there's glimpses of promise on San Francisco. There's Jimmy G, there's Reuben Foster, there's Leonard Solomon. I mean, there's there's hope out there. What do the Giants have except sadness and Ben McAdoo? So the Giants are just lucky the Browns exist, so they're not the absolute bottom feeders of the NFL. Give me the Niners at home to get on the board. (laughs) The Do You Like Bad Football Late Game Edition, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) So this game is going to come down to whether or not Orleans Darkwa can do what every other running back has done to the 49ers this year, which is just carve them up. We just watched the ghost of Adrian Peterson take them to school, right? But here's the thing. The 49ers, even without Kittle, should be able to air it out against the depleted Giants defense. I don't care that Janoris Jenkins was reactivated this week because you got to be sure that there's still some bad blood there. And so if the Giants go down early, which is what I think is going to happen, they're never going to get back up because that team's just going to start killing each other on the sidelines and everything's just going to go to pot. And then Ben McAdoo is going to be fired, which is what should have happened anyway. Give me the 49ers at home. It's my upset special of the week. Sunday night football, New England going to the Mile High City to take on Denver. Denver has played well against the run up until last week. That was kind of the one thing you could hold if you were the Denver defense was that they kept the run in check. Teams didn't really want to pass on them, even though they were only middle of the pack there. So now even that can't be contained. I mean, it's still Denver's D which is still really good, so you still have to temper expectations. But just like every other week, Brock Lobster is going to have them out there on the field way too long. They're going to get tired, and eventually they'll just start to crack. So start all your pats, stream their defense, and avoid any Bronco like your O.J. Simpson. So pats on the road. (laughs) What a game this could have been. Part two. Instead, <laughs> a lot of part fire. twos in this. Dumpster fire. <laughs> Give me the pants on the road. Don't watch this game. Don't let your children watch it. This is just going to be mature content. This game yeah. ends in a fist fight. And also, <laughs> 40, <laughs> and it's 42 to 3 dead. in the third quarter at New England. Yeah. Oh, that's ironic because Monday Night Football, Miami going to Carolina. Further proof the NFL hates us. Adam Gase was sending a message to his team when he traded Ajayi, and the response he got back from the team was, bye. (laughs) So the Panthers, up and down offense, should finally get some rhythm going here. I got Carolina at home 31-3 in my pigskin pick'em, so I I like your your Pats call in the last one. Yeah, there you go. But the Panthers, they did look mortal against the Falcons. I mean, you know, they're kind of struggling. But they come into this game favored negative eight. And uh, honestly, I can't blame the odds makers for that. So given what we've seen from the Dolphins. So this feels like a game Miami even could have a chance in. But I'm going to take the Panthers at home because their defense is just 
so much better. Who gets fired first, Ben McAdoo or Adam Gase? <sighs> is it it's not tough, the same? Right? Like, is it not the same day? Well, I mean, you got to figure not both of them are going to make it the whole season. Well, I figure McAdoo's time is like a couple weeks because it's New York, and they just won't stand for this. So they're gonna they're gonna toss him out and they're gonna give it to probably Spagnolo, I would guess. I guess Miami has four wins, but still. Yeah, and it's also Miami though. I feel like they'll let that go uh, for a little bit longer. I wouldn't even be surprised if Gase makes it the season. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he just spent all that money on Cutler and then he traded away your best player and he's got line coaches doing lines, so. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a great story. Oh, that's a great. I wish we had more time because we could retell that story for hours and hours. Uh, no, it's an interesting talking point. But that's about all we're going to have this Gase week is interesting talking points. because lists all the symptoms of cocaine abuse. His employee accused of cocaine abuse. And the PR people quit right there. One of the funniest Throw the things clipboard I've ever seen. Throw the clipboard and walk away. One of my funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Oh, God. All right, but we're, we're going to get into the Golden League update. A ton to talk about as we near the playoffs. So for those of you not sticking around with us, again, at Important Nonsense, all one word, on the Fantasy Life app, easiest, best way to get a hold of us. We appreciate all the follow-ups, props, and shouts we've gotten on there. And otherwise, at Nonsense underscore Steve, at Nonsense underscore Neil on Twitter, and we are going into the Golden League update. And now for something completely different. It's time for the Golden League Update. I love gold! On the Important Nonsense Podcast. So of all the big games to happen this past weekend, perhaps the most impactful was the defending champ taking a loss to Sandman. In a big upset nobody saw coming, he is on the verge of elimination, decided to sell his roster, bolster his draft board to try it all over again next year. He went out and made a couple draft pick deals. To Flynn Sr., he was able to get a 1 and a 3 for Antonio Brown and Christian McCaffrey. To David, he was able to get a second round pick for Melvin Gordon, so that means for the second consecutive year, Flynn will have two picks in the first, second, and third rounds. So at this point next year, maybe we're still talking about him selling off players again, getting another great draft board. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> As for this season, though, does uh, does either move really change your opinion on the entire playoff field as it is? And, and when I'm saying playoff field, as of right now, we have three teams at six and three and five teams at five and four that are all really legitimately in it. Yeah. I mean, all it really does for me is that it, it kind of re-legitimizes Flynn senior. He adds, he adds legitimate pieces then right where he needed them. And David, unfortunately is kind of more like he kind of put a bandaid on it, but uh, he had issues kind of top to bottom since his quarterback <laughs> kind of yeah, got I mean, knocked out. So yeah, we've been talking about David as Tom Brady, and Chris Hogan versus the world. And then Watson came out of nowhere, and it was Watson and Hogan against the world. Right. And now it's back to being Brady again. So at least he had a great insurance policy. But now Hogan's dinged up. The, uh, the superfan Brian philosophy of roster management with the greatest insurance policy in the world for Mr. Flynn. He went out and made the trade for Amari Cooper. That was his new number one wide receiver. And now he's added Antonio Brown 
that's his one with Cooper now, his two, even though Cooper's been inconsistent all year. But having Bell, McCaffrey, that's that's a big a big bolster for him. And then for David, as I said, it's just you got Melvin Gordon, which gives you a legitimate running back to go with the Brady Hogan show he already had. It's just the whole rest of the roster there there's question marks top to bottom. For me, like I said, looking at these teams coming into it, I was always saying Brian seemed to be the number one team in my eyes. And then Flynn Jr. was number two. And beyond that, it was really kind of mushed up together. Well, if you look at it now, after the series of trades, essentially he went from Drew Brees to Ben Roethlisberger, and then from having Melvin Gordon to Le'Veon Bell, and then from having Olsen and then Clay and the revolving door at tight end to now the double tight end set of Jack Doyle and Evan Ingram. Because essentially, Flynn Sr.'s throwing out Flynn Jr.'s roster. He, he just added Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, and the tight ends to it. So, in my mind, he's probably number two, if not number three, of, of the teams out there. I still favor Brian over anyone just because of his top-to-bottom depth on that team. It's hard not to. He, he's got a lot of uh, really intriguing pieces, and well, you thought T.Y. Hilton would get tanked, right? And Jacoby Brissett <laughs> rides into town, a whopping and a whooping. And it's not consistent, but every once in a while, T.Y. Hilton, like on, on average, T.Y. Hilton actually ends up, he's not what you paid for, but it's <laughs> it's not like you're, you're cutting him. Or trying to trade, right. or if you were going to trade him, you would have already tried. So it hasn't yeah, that hasn't completely tanked you. So he's got and he's got the dual tight ends as we we're talking about the best insurance policy that money could buy. One and two, yeah. one and two at the position. Just take the whole <laughs> thing, buy it, put it in a headlock. So yeah, and again, we were talking about Mr. Flynn's roster, how he's riding the dual tight ends with Jack Doyle and Evan Ingram, and rest of season. The number one easiest tight end schedule in the league is now Indy, so Jack Doyle, and the number two easiest is the Giants. Yeah, and they're, and they're both a feature player, basically. Right, so they're the same you know, as we were talking about before, there's not a lot of depth there is his problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it, you would go back to the question marks he already had there before, but uh, otherwise you like what he's done now to, to put him in this position to have a real shot to uh to make a run here into the playoffs but again five and four it's it's a whole modge podge because we have three teams as i mentioned at six and three a win this week for any of them would clinch a playoff berth five teams tied for the last three playoff spots at five and four as of now it is paul mr flynn and then yourself holding the slight edge over both kevins who are at five and four right on the outside looking in of the 11 teams that are technically still alive, because yes, Lisa, believe it or not, is technically still alive. Lisa and Sandman looking for their first ever trip to the postseason, while Flynn Sr., Brian, and Paul, and again, Paul's last year, remember, was in 08. They are trying to make it back to the playoffs after missing out in their previous season played. Uh, Flynn Jr., who we just talked about, sold off, kind of looks like he's already looking forward to 2018. Him, David, Tony... And McCarthy are all trying to make it back-to-back seasons in the playoffs. I'm looking to tie my career high with my third straight playoff appearance. It would be the third different time I've done that. And then there is you, 
Mr. Smith. In league history, the longest playoff streaks are Steve Flynn Sr., who had seven seasons. Believe it or not, his first seven seasons in the league from 08 to 2014. And by the way, I want to give him props here. Kudos. Kudos to Mr. Flynn because I just noticed with his uh, his victory a couple weeks ago, and I looked when I was looking through all the, the history and notes, I didn't even realize it until literally this week when I was looking at it. But he won, he's at, he's one of our teams at five and four. This is his tenth season in the league. He has never finished worse than five and six. That is an impressive streak. Yeah, that's impressive. <clears throat> You're in it every he year. He is, yeah, the last seven, his first seven seasons, he made it to the playoffs every year. And then of course, the last two years, he has missed the playoffs, but he was five and six both of those seasons. So, yeah, you legitimately have a shot at a playoff berth every year if you're never worse than 5-6. and six. So that is an impressive streak for him. Meanwhile, number two on that list is Flynn Jr., six straight seasons, and that was from 05 to 08. And again, just going back over the history, that includes both the 07 FBFL and Golden League seasons and the 08 FBFL and Golden League seasons. So it was only a four-year stretch but it was six seasons played in those four years. And then there's Brian at five straight seasons in the playoffs from 2011 to 2015. Last year, his streak was broken. And then there is you, sir, five straight years in the playoffs. Kudos to you. It is an impressive streak from 2012 until now. It's the longest active streak, as I already mentioned. The next longest streak is mine at two years in a row. <laughs> and then everybody else just won. Uh, so yeah, that would if you were to get into the playoffs this year, it would tie Flynn for the second longest streak in league history, and it would open you up for a chance next season to tie Mr. Flynn's all-time record. We'll see. Yeah, it's it's an like I said, it is an impressive streak to uh to be that consistent when there's so much parity in the league year in and year out, and so many crazy things can happen. I mean, hell, this year. David Johnson got injured week one, Long like Danny play Woodhead. three, and Danny Woodhead. Your top two running backs go down, and here you are at five and four with a legitimate shot. So, yeah, kudos to you for sure. Thank you. So our power rankings update this week, new number one on top. Flynn has been dominating the number one spot for a long time, but his third straight loss finally knocked him from the top spot. It is yours truly, two thumbs pointing at this guy, up to the number one spot with my fifth consecutive victory, up two spots from three to one. Brian remains at number two, literally just fractions of points behind me. At number three, it is Paul moving up a spot to three from four. As I mentioned, Flynn dropped three spots to four. The, uh, the Trolls, David, remaining at five. You remained there at six. Sandman up three spots to seven. Tony down a spot to eight. Flynn Sr. remained where he was at number nine. What did I tell you every week, Neil? Kevin loves to fluctuate between eight and ten, and here he is back down two spots from eight to ten. And then Lisa and Matt rounding us out as usual. Playoff odds heading into the last two weeks of the season. Brian up to 99.9% chance of making it. I'm at 99.8. David at 97.2. Then Paul at 82, Flynn Sr. at 66, you're at 52 with McCarthy at 46, right behind you, nipping at your heels there. 
Flynn Jr. at 27 because of all the points he scored, basically. Sandman at 24, Tony at 2, and then Lisa at point .1. I laid out the scenario for you. Essentially, she needs everybody ahead of her to lose. She needs to win out and win out big with a bunch of points. So that's why it is point .1. Still technically breathing, but not by much. So this week, our Game of the Week, many, many candidates. I mean, legitimately... Every game on the slate this week has some kind of implication for everyone. Paul plays Matt. Paul needs to win to keep his playoff hopes alive. He's one of our 5-4 and four teams. Matt has fallen to 0-9. Worst start ever. The nine straight losses to start a season, as I said, worst start of all time. He needs to win one of his last two games to avoid being the only winless team in the league's history. It is the longest single-season losing streak since Tony also lost nine games from weeks 3 through 11 to finish the 2011 season. It is tied for the longest single-season losing streak of all time. So if he were to lose this week, it would break another record you don't want to have. And then the longest total losing streak spanning more than a season, it now ties again Tony during that same stretch. Matt lost week 11 last year, so he has now lost 10 consecutive games. Ties Tony, who lost 10 consecutive during that same stretch I mentioned. The longest streak of all time is Taken. Jason Taken lost 13 consecutive games, but there is a slight caveat on that. He last he lost his last six games in 2007. Then he took a hiatus, and he lost his first seven games when he returned in 2013, so there was a large gap <laughs> in there between his uh, his losses, but he does have a 13 consecutive loss streak. That is the current record that Matt is uh, is trying to avoid catching. Yeah, that is. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a brutal season to say the least, and I think the vomit-inducing kick is kind of the uh, it's the gif. Pretty of much. the season yeah. for, for Matt. If you summed up his whole year in a gif, that would be it. So McCarthy's taking on Lisa. Like I said, Lisa barely clinging on. She needs every win possible to stay alive. Kevin can make a leap into the playoff picture if he gets a victory. You got Flynn Jr. against Brian. Remember, this was supposed to be our Smithy Bowl preview. This was supposed to be the huge epic showdown. We had this circle in uh, the preseason. Like, there it is. That's the game. Yep. The- yeah, with Flynn throwing in the towel, though, it's uh, it's kind of lost its luster. For me, I'm taking on Tony. As I told you last week, this is a bad matchup for me. I mean, I have the buy for Hill, Tyreek Hill anyway, then the sudden buy for Jay Ajayi because of the trade. I'm weaker than I'd like to be because of those two guys sitting out. Both QBs have rough, rough matchups. My wideouts have bad matchups. For Tony, he's got Matt next week. So if he beats me here, you would figure he's got his sixth win locked in place next week. It gets him six and five and a shot to backdoor into the playoffs. So he's playing for everything yeah, this week, and my team is uh, is pretty beat up. Then you got Flynn Senior against Sandman. Both teams at five and four. This really would have been the game of the week for me if Mr. Flynn didn't break the bank for Brown and McCaffrey. I mean, because that kind of just puts him over the top here. It's closer than Mike Clay's projections will tell you, but that's always the case because what of Mike Clay know? The winner is 6 and 4. 
and has a crucial tiebreaker, though. And the losing team is reeling at 5-5. Five and five. They're probably sitting outside the playoffs, hoping that things fall their way, whereas at 6-4, and four, you kind of control your own destiny. So that only leaves one game, and that means our <laughs> game of the week is number 5, David, taking on number 6, Neil. Look, as I said, this is a key game for both teams. Uh, for David, a win will clinch a playoff spot. And if you were to win this game, Neil, then both of you are 6-4, and four, and like I said, 97% chance he makes the playoffs, but that one scenario where he misses the playoffs is if you both finish 6-5 and five heads up, everyone ahead of you is 7-4 and four or better, and if your head's up tied for the last spot, both of you at 6-5, and five, you would have that tiebreaker by winning this game and would knock him out. So... Not to mention, you're playing for that tiebreaker. You're playing for the streak I mentioned earlier. Next week, you've got Paul. He's got McCarthy. Both of those teams are going to be giving it their all, fighting for playoff position as well. So this is clearly a must-win game for both of you guys. Yeah, it's it's a big one. So as we go into breaking down the matchup, <sighs> so here's the thing about this. As we mentioned before, what is Mike Clayno? I'm favored by a boatload. He doesn't have a kicker in, but whatever. I mean, I'm still favored. It's, yeah, well, like it's because he's got 20. his his highest scorer, Harrison Butker's on the bye. I know. So that gives I, you yeah, a legitimate I, chance I'm, right there. I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to be favored by, like, <laughs> plus 20, we'll call it, roughly. Maybe a little uh-huh. with the kicker in there. That's fine. But he's got Tom Brady against Denver. He's got Orleans Darkwood against San Francisco. <sighs> yeah. He's gonna. He's got Matt Forte, who's beat up, but he's got Tampa Bay. So, uh, right. He's got Jordy Nelson against Chicago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. He's got Devin Funches against Miami. Okay. Okay. That's not a great matchup, but it's on Monday night. No, I don't like that. And then he's got. He's gonna roll Garrett Selleck against me, because why not? Just, sure. Just he's got a great yeah. match. Just he's go playing for it. all my streamers. Go yeah. for it. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's got <laughs> Melvin Gordon, who he acquired. Against Jacksonville, right. which is not a great matchup, but it's Melvin Gordon. So on gotta, the road against yeah, Jacksonville, you gotta figure so it's, it's tough Melvin matchup. Gordon. He should, it's a tough matchup, but he's going to – I don't know what he's doing at defense, and I don't know what he's doing at kicker. I, I don't want to even get into that. But he's got great matchups. He's projected to score 91 points, but it would not shock me at all if a couple of these guys just go off because it's a great matchup for them, and there's just nobody to stop them. Meanwhile, yep. <laughs> I've got Matt Ryan against Dallas, which I don't mind, but is not by any stretch a guarantee. I'm going to roll Jarek McKinnon against Washington, because he's just been so good. I don't know how you couldn't play him. It's not an amazing matchup, though. I've got Kamara against Buffalo. Same kind of thing. you got to play him. It's just right. he's been too good. But Buffalo in Buffalo, I can understand why you've got Buffalo, for example. And then here's the, my real problem. I have three players on <laughs> Thursday night. Yeah. So tomorrow, gentle viewer, I'm going to be drunk because it's the only way that I'm going to get through that game. I don't know that I'm going to be able to watch that game with you, Steve. I'm going to try, but I may end up mm-hmm. breaking my headset that I used to record this. Sure. So I have to go buy a new headset before next week's show. Cause I pretty much have what I would call the bulk of my season riding on Doug Baldwin, Larry Fitzgerald and Adrian Peterson playing against each other on Thursday night football, which ordinarily would be like a death blow. I would consider that on the Thursday night game. However, this year's Thursday night games have been ridiculous. Right. So we'll see. There's, you know, I don't have anybody else to play besides Adrian Peterson in my flex. That's my issue is there is really nothing 
to play on my team or on the waiver wire that is better than Adrian Peterson, but I hate Adrian Peterson's matchup so much that I don't. And the saving grace too for Fitz is that uh, Earl Thomas is probably not going to play, and uh, Richard Sherman's questionable. Right. So if that's going to happen, they're weak back there. I expect this game for both teams to be able to move the ball to some degree. It's just a question of who's going to do it. So my concern is Adrian Peterson basically not getting enough run. And then to round it out, I am going to play Jordan Reed if he's going to play, I think, against Minnesota, because mm-hmm. why would you not? My other alternative there is Hunter Henry. So right. I feel pretty good about that either way. And then I've got the Rams D against Tom Savage, so I actually feel pretty good about that. <laughs> and, yeah. and then I've got Will Lutz in Buffalo, who is the only person on my team that I may cut before depending on that's actually kind of weather dependent yeah like you said it's a bulk of your roster being out there on thursday night you don't love no if i really wish my guys were not playing on thursday night i hate thursday night football as we've been through a million times on this show and i wish they would do away with it but that's not reality reality is that i got three guys going in the same game on thursday night and that's just the way it's going to be so if it hits i like my chances to win the game if that flames out it's going to get real gritty, and it's going to come down to me white-knuckling a desk watching Tom Brady in primetime eviscerate a depleted Denver team that doesn't care anymore. Right. And that's yeah. going to be my issue, and he's got, and then he's got Funchess on Monday night potentially to deliver the meaningless death blow. So I need to be winning this game by a boatload early, and I hate that in fantasy football. It is, it is yeah. not something I ever want to be counting on. I always prefer to have my guys going on Monday night, frankly, if I could. What's propping you up here, too, is the fact that he's got Brady and then he's got Gordon. Those are the centerpieces. But he's playing Darkwa in in an If You're Desperate streamer. He's playing Selleck in If You're Desperate streamer. He's playing Jordy against the Bears in what should be an atrocious game. He's got Matt Forte, who didn't practice today because his surgically repaired knee swelled up. And they're saying now he might not even play. So if he sits out, he's got Rawls, but Rawls is the Thursday game. So if he doesn't make that decision now, and he waits, then his only other option is Frank Gore against Pittsburgh, which you don't love that matchup. And then, as you said, Funchess against Miami. But again, my opinion on that is that they may just go up big early and then just run the clock out pretty much on Miami. I don't know how much Devin Funchess is is going to be able to do unless he scores a couple touchdowns early. That's the big thing there. So, yeah, what's propping you up top to bottom is you have the balance, which is why I slightly favor you because top to bottom, I feel like even if you have some bad performances, you have enough players that can carry you. If he gets a bad game out of Melvin Gordon and Tom Brady, I don't think he has a prayer. Yep, and that's why it's a dice roll. This whole game is a dice roll that's going to have huge implications (laughs) across the entire league. Because next week, next week I have Paul in another game yep. that's gonna be a complete bloodbath and shootout. So, <laughs> so yeah, my, my work is cut out for me. But the thing about that is, as I think you kind of pointed out earlier, if I actually manage to claw my way through this game and then claw my way to a victory in that game against Paul somehow, if I do that, I'm seven and four. I control my own destiny, and I bet I'm like the four seed. Yeah, anybody that gets to seven and four will have a playoff spot. That's already been determined. The the only like it is still possible that someone could finish six and five and miss out. Absolutely. By a series of tiebreakers, but 
there is at this point no way in the schedule for someone to finish seven and four and not, and not make, make the playoffs. playoffs. Exactly. Yeah. So everybody pretty much controls their own destiny at this point because if you're one of the six and four teams, you just got to win one game to get yourself in. And if you're one of the, the five and three teams, you got to win both. You need to win them out to guarantee yourself a spot. Even a split gives you slight hope, but it's, it's no guarantee. And especially if you're McCarthy or Sandman, you need to win out because, uh, right now the tiebreakers are not in your favor. So rather than hoping for that tiebreaker, you might as well just win out and get yourself in. Yeah. Help yourself out there. Help yourself out, exactly. Cause you don't want to be staring down five and five buried on the scoring chart and staring down yep. at multiple negative tiebreakers. Yeah. Because Mr. Flynn here at five and four, he still plays Sandman and then Sandman plays Brian to finish the year. So. Yeah, Sandman may have overtaken me for most brutal ending schedule to the year with that one <laughs> trade. That may have just done it because mm-hmm. he's got to go. Yeah, after work. he survived last week against Christian McCaffrey and not having to play Antonio Brown because of the bye, right. now he now has he to, play to play McCaffrey play again. again. Here you go. Do and again. Brown is back from yeah, the bye. Here you go. So here have you fun go. With that. And you get Le'Veon Bell on top yeah. of it. Also, I totally forgot to mention through that whole thing, I don't know what I was thinking. Typically, Mr. Flynn is the Packers. And this year, he decided to be the Steelers. He's got the killer bees. <laughs> He's got he, he's got Roethlisberger, Bell, and Brown. He decided to uh, to reverse the trend. The whole Packers thing wasn't working out yeah, for so him, so he put all Steelers. his eggs in the Steeler yeah, basket. The Steelers. Still, why not? Sure the so this tank is it. the point in the year where the Steelers tank, and uh, <laughs> Roethlisberger goes down. You, and they you heard no it back. here first, folks. <laughs> they have no backup. Steelers. So <laughs> two wins the rest of the oh, season. God. Here comes that indie victory on Sunday. Jesus. Uh, he wins 35 to 14 because of science. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, All right, so yeah, a lot to monitor, keep track of. We'll we'll have a clear picture for the playoffs next week, and we'll be able to break it down, give everybody their exact scenario, what they need to do to get in. It's going to be interesting. This this again is probably our most competitive season. I mean, we've got oh far and away. Like this is so. we've never had this many teams that are all still knocking on the door. It was also the quietest end of trade deadline I can remember in years because there's so many teams that are still in it. I mean, we still have 23 hours, but otherwise, to this point, yeah, nothing. Yeah, has those been two going big on. deals came down immediately, and that's it. Like, there's been very little else. So we'll see if anybody can ramshackle something together at the 11th hour, but I don't know. We'll see if Tony is interested in trying to roll those dice, yeah. see if he can do it, play for a season right here. But something tells me. Because right, like I said, I mean, Flynn has already jettisoned any basically sellable piece he's got on his team. Matt's team is picked clean. Yeah, Matt's team has been picked clean. Lisa, the only piece you'd want would be McCoy. And that's probably not going to happen anyway. And I don't know why you would do that if you were her or someone going to go get She's it. She's probably going to keep McCoy, I would think, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Would, that would be her keeper you next year. One of them. And then for Tony, I mean, you could sell if you had pieces to sell. I don't really know what you'd buy off Tony's team. But even then, as I've already mentioned, he's got a decent shot against me this week. And then no, Matt that's what next I mean. week. Tony is like in this weird he spot. Has clear where he potential just go get something. To, Tony's in this to weird six spot and five. where he might as well just go get stuff for like low level things and just try to win his last two games because there's no point in selling and just like there's you're not going to get enough in sales to try and do anything meaningful and no one's going to do it so you might as well just go buy some stuff at the 11th hour there you go yeah barter a trade between lisa and tony and get him Lashawn mccoy to stop playing cj anderson <laughs> and then that'll set him up for the rest oh, of the God. year 
Yeah, but yeah, watch to see if Tony could do something at the like the eleventh hour to do. He might as well try and win his last two games. There's no point in trying to bail out now. All you have to do is win your last two games of the season. Win and you're in. And you you got a win real and shot in. at six and five. You're going to be right in that mix with everybody else trying to trying to snag a playoff spot. All right, Neil. Well, that is it. So again, at nonsense underscore Steve at nonsense underscore Neil on the Fantasy Life app. You can find us at Important Nonsense, all one word. And we will be back right here, same time, same place next week, people. Yep. So keep watching, keep paying attention, keep up with us on importantnonsense.com. And until next week, keep up the nonsense. Music for the Important Nonsense podcast is provided by Lee Rosevear, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.